Musiki. Fellini, Miluel, Scorsese, Coppola, Tornatore, Costa Rica, Lynch, Wenders, Cheli Kage, Campion, Walker White, Tarantino, Kassovitz, Benigni, Le Dardenne, Moretti, Anneke, Noé, Loach, Malik, Odiar, Gavone, Sorrentino, Maiwen, Dolan, et tant d'autres. How's the weather, Andy? Uh, it really cooled down today. It like, yeah. It was like the high today was like seventy, but that it hit that high at like nine or ten a.m. and like it's like in the fifties right now, and it's supposed to stay cool for the next couple of days. And I think like it's gonna get back up into the sixties by the weekend, but um, mm-hmm. it's like it's fall. Fall is here. Like it like yeah, really just like I, came on. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite have that. It's still warm-ish here yeah though i i can't compare it too much to the last few days because i uh have not been outside much the last uh since i got home from tiff because i've yeah. had not covid sure. maybe i yeah uh, I, but I, yeah um, it was very windy today here sure yeah yesterday your favorite right you do love a the little wind. i like wind but this oh, is a little oh. too much you're backtracking on your wind oh, wow. devotion fake fan i believe you plugged yeah. it and said it was oh, great you once, see, uh, i guess i did say that i mean yeah. it was a lot you know there was like, <laughs> yeah uh, it right. was just there was like shit blowing all over the place sure yeah, uh, let's, yeah. i don't know i guess that also, is i wonder how emilio does. feels about wind right now let's maybe bring him on for sure. a rebuttal <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God, um <laughs> uh yesterday it was like they were saying it was gonna like severe thunderstorms so i drove to work uh, and then that never really materialized. So I walked today, and it was like cooler, and it was like a little drizzly on my walk home, but it was still like nice enough that I could I could walk. Mm. Mm-hmm. Great. The, what? This is a nice right. <laughs> Welcome to Can I Kick It? Uh, this is a podcast about <laughs> film festivals. Our worst open ever. <laughs> my name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by a negative In- Nancy. <laughs> my name is Andy Gramuga, and I'm happy to be uh, here. Talking the movies. Number one, that cold open we just did stay in <laughs> Colin Edgeley. Thank you, Colin. Uh, Colin's holding yeah. up a little pennant that's standing the cold open we just did. It's crazy. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, we're just gonna talk some more TIFF. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, I guess, wrapping up our like official TIFF coverage with this episode. Eh, no, because we're no. doing an episode okay. next week. That I guess, yeah. I think we got to figure out what we're going to yeah. send to TIFF to like show our like coverage. Or yeah, whatever. and I I'm think sure this will be part th- of it, and the next one, uh, maybe. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think it will. Anyway. I think TIFF will be in the name of next week's episode. Sure. That's some in- inside course, baseball for our listeners. I know you all love it you when you talk shop. You brought it up. I know. That's why uh, I'm being sincere. Okay. okay. <laughs> of all course, right. um, fourth co-host Emilio not with us. Obviously, wants to be. Yes. Uh-huh. But, uh The current weather situation in Puerto Rico is not good at all. No. And, yes. Uh, slash the infrastructure situation. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, I, guess, right. yeah, I think the weather's I okay right now, but like we don't know. Sure. We haven't asked. But That's true. Um, but yes, yeah. our, our thoughts are with him. Uh, he has been mm-hmm. tweeting. Uh, he is. I know he has like retweeted some like links of like good places to like support financially if you are able to. So uh, go yeah. check out his feed for for that. 
Um, yes. But, and 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 hope and we hope that he'll be back with us next week, God willing. Um, that would be would be great. Yes. Uh, so we we do have uh, an interview that I conducted with uh, Antoine Borges, the director of Concrete Valley, uh, that we're going to close out today's episode with. Right. But do we maybe want to start with the other big ticket item? Sure. We've do been I know what that is? Trailer? No, we've been we've been we we put out three episodes about TIFF and we've not hit on the most important film that played there, which is of course Causeway. That's right. Wow. The Wild number Island one the hyped Gary's by Can I Kick It film. movie. We've been talking about it literally for three Since years. Yeah. Episode two, I think. I believe episode two yeah. was when it Correct. first came up. Um, yep. and this is episode like 158 or something like that, like yep. depending on how you count bonus episodes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we're we here have to tell you the math and figure out what movies from that first, like what we're excited for haven't come out yet. Is that the last <laughs> were one? Were we talking about the Malik that early the too? Malik that might be the new one. Oh, we were talking about the Malik. Well. That'll take the cake for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was like Annette, uh, yeah. a decision to leave, I believe, got mentioned. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I... Yeah, I we think... should go back and just do all those episodes. I don't want to listen to that. Episode again, I <laughs> King <don't> Richard, think... <laughs> I'll finally watch it. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm never watching it. It's window is long closed on King. No Richard. one's asking I get you to watch right it. Open. I get right open. just said jury. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, but well, yeah, uh, we're here to tell that's you. A good idea. <laughs> all right, we're here to tell you. Uh, Causeway has premiered, and it is yes. mostly good. It's good. I think it's really solid. Um, of course, I was, like, brought this up, I think, initially, because it is directed by Lila Nugabauer, uh-huh. who is a New York City theater director, who has directed mm-hmm. many things, including two things that I have seen, which is Mary Page Marlowe, the Tracy Let's Play, which was at Second Stage with Tatiana Maslany and Blair Brown and some other people, uh, and... Um, the Waverly Gallery, Kenneth Lonergan's The Waverly Gallery, mm-hmm. featuring Michael Sarah and Elaine May and uh, um, a bunch of other people. Lucas um, Hedges was in it, right? Who's that? Wasn't Lucas Hedges in it? Yes, Lucas Hedges. Yes, he was yeah. uh, the the uh, the grandson. The, the he was the main character. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, aside from it, it, anyway, this is not to get into that play. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, I I mean, Elaine May gave the greatest performance I've ever seen live in that in that play. Anyway, um, sure. uh, yes. So we knew about it. I think when we first talked about it, it was just untitled Lila Nugabauer project or something I like that. Believe so. it was Red White and Water at the time. I thought no. no well, then then it became later. Red White and Water eventually. Wow. Yeah. And then it was Red White and, and Water for a course, while. It was, I there feel was the like IMDb. Yeah, it, it of course. Uh, yeah, right. uh, Otessa Moshfeg, uh did rewrites on it. I, I'm unclear at this point on yeah. what her involvement was because there there is talk that there was like a reshoots. big yeah. reshoot process, but that mainly those reshoots were like more loosely scripted, like a lot of improv. So I don't know why you would bring in a famous novelist to write those. But her, her involvement anyway, was, no one was aware of it until after the reshoots had started. We, of course, found out that Jack Fisk was the production designer, which I've got to say I had not thought about since 
seeing it, and I'm like, sure, that movie is well production designed, I guess. Yeah, some cool pools in it. That's um, true. There's a lot of pools. Yeah, and so yeah, and like we knew, like it, we had the log line, which was like, you know, it's about a soldier returning home from yeah. Afghanistan and de- dealing yes. with uh, a traumatic brain injury. I think we had that like that detail. Uh, we knew Brian yes. Tyree Henry was in it. Um, yes. And yeah, I saw there's it. There's things on... we there's things we thought we knew about it that turned out to not be true. Like we thought Samara Weaving was in it, but not uh uh. Right. Yeah. Or was it Samira Wiley? I don't know. I don't remember. You. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yes, there's there's definitely yeah there's been some like cast shakeup like it clearly like has been tinkered with since then and like there was mm-hmm. a certain amount of like how much of that was Rudin who was like the producer and then like had his scandal in between uh, when we first talked about this movie uh-huh. and its uh, eventual uh, release at a film festival A twenty four had it the whole time they eventually uh-huh. uh, punted it to their Apple deal. Uh, so yes. now it is an initially, Apple original. Yeah, the way it was reported initially, I was like, oh, is is are they just totally washing their hands of it? But they've right. not done that. They've still quite. got the logo on it and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I think it is Apple taking the lead on it. And it has a release date. It's coming out, like, next month. Yep. And they'll give Something it a... Like they're, they'll give it a, a theatrical release of some sort, I have heard. Uh, so, like, sure. I guess it's in play. Uh, I don't know. It got a fairly muted, uh, if positive, reaction, I would say, out of the festival. Um, and, yeah, I quite liked it. I, you know, it's. I think it's a great performance from Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry is also excellent in it. And then yes. it's just got, like, all the New York theater character actors you would want uh, Jane Howdy Shell is like really terrific in the opening like twenty minutes or so. Um, you've got uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson as uh, as Jennifer Lawrence's doctor is like really good, I think. Um, uh-huh. uh, and uh, Linda, what's her last name? Linda, who plays the mom? Um, uh-huh. Also good. Everyone's good in it. Yeah, well, you say already up. what the movie's about. Sure. So it is about yes. About much. Linda Eman. I truly have like zero idea what it is. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's vibey. It's cool. Right. I mean, it's just like she. So uh, right. Yeah. The first. She is a the first chunk. Yeah. She is a soldier who uh, is in Afghanistan and is like hit by an IUD and has this traumatic brain injury. that she it start basically it starts out with her like getting home and starting out patient treatment uh but very quickly she's like i want to go back because uh, she just like hates being at home uh right and so yeah that's just kind of and like she meets brian tyree henry uh because uh, her car the car that her mom gives her breaks down and he is a mechanic and they just our friends mostly yeah uh, yeah that's kind of that's thing. basically yeah it. And I, I th- so you, you you are right that i had my samara and samira uh sure. w's crossed sure. uh there there is it there's i don't know where this information came from but there's something here saying that uh her character was going to be 
a lesbian, but not Jennifer Lawrence's character's lover, okay. even though Je- okay. they were just going to be friends, even though they're is at least a point in the movie at which Jennifer Lawrence's character says that she's a lesbian, though I do think that that is maybe one of the primary uh, points at which the movie falters, is not actually uh, having a coherent uh, characterization there. Sure. Uh, which kind of lets that, uh, you know... I. I've heard some people complaining about it and being like, well, it's just one, but then other people being like, it's just one line in the movie, but I think it ultimately then lets down the climax, or the climax lets it down. Sure. Uh, in a way that I think is an issue. Sure. Um, but I'll say the thing that I was really taken with in this movie is like, it's, you know, it's it's a pretty understated, quiet movie, like, it's mm-hmm. mostly just conversations. And I do like the way that it depicts the way that, like, her home life is intolerable to uh-huh. Jennifer Lawrence's character. Where it's, like, mm-hmm. her mom's, like, not awful. She's, like, a little... She's kind of annoying. She's extremely hard to live with. But she's not, right. like, She's abusive. very unreliable. She's not, right, yeah. yeah. But, like, she, like, and, and it certainly seems like she's, like, trying to have, like, at least a halfway decent, like, personal relationship, if not a great mother, rela- mother-daughter mother relationship with Jennifer Lawrence. Um, right. And, and, like, yeah, and, like, she she gets this job cleaning pools. She, yeah, like... Frederick Weller. Yeah. Um, she, uh, like, like, she seems to value the, like, independence of that. She seems to, like... She has a hard time, like, yeah, connecting with other people and being around other people. And, like, then there's also this reveal, I guess, of her of her brother, right? You find out she has a brother a, a li- kind of late into the movie. And then you find no, out... No, she... You find she, out yeah, early, You find out what's Dana, up with the brother a little bit. Right. But then there's even another later reveal of what's up with the brother. Like, there's two levels of reveal to what's up with the brother. Um, I guess so, Yeah. Cause yeah, uh, there's like an early there, there's an early moment where Jane Hattie Shell is like, "Oh, are you gonna hang out with your mother and brother?" And she just doesn't answer. Sure, yeah, um, but yeah, and then like yeah, the nature of the relationship with the brother in uh, towards the end, I think, is like a really interesting. Uh, and, yeah, who's and cool, uh, yeah. D- does appear briefly and is played by Russell Harvard. Yes, uh, who's very good in his little bit. Yeah. Um... So yeah, and like it's you know it's been a minute since Jennifer Lawrence has uh, has done like a a de- a deeper character performance like this, right? Uh-huh. Like she was in Don't Look Up last year, which was I guess was her first movie in a while, like since the X Men uh-huh. movie or whatever. And like yeah, we I guess she's shot. fine, that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, she's yeah, she is probably one of the more well acquitted people in that movie. Uh, which of course shot well after this did. Yeah, um, right. And uh, but but yeah, it's nice to see her. I think she's got some interesting mm-hmm. stuff lined up. Uh, yeah, she's shooting that uh, comedy right, right now with Sorrentino. Right, she's doing the Sorrentino movie. No, or, no, or no, no, no. The one next. she's shooting right now is the uh, Gene Stupinski is directing. Oh right. It. And I think, I don't know if it's been reported anywhere, uh, Kyle Mooney and Hassan Minaj popped up on the uh, the IMDb page. It sounds like the co- the premise I've heard is it's like 
a mom thinks that her son is too much of a loner and hires Jennifer Lawrence to hang out with him. That which doesn't... Well, we'll see. I don't know. I guess, I, yeah, I, I wonder how big they're going with it. Like, how much of... Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, of course, uh, co-written by Dan Mazur of Dirty Grandpa. So that is... That's an, a good sign. Uh... But yeah, and then yeah, there's uh, the Sorrentino's still maybe in play. Uh, he does, of course, have to follow up his TIFF, pr- uh, not premiere, it didn't premiere at TIFF, but his but movie that screened YouTube. at TIFF <laughs> a number of times. Uh, by far the most screened movie at the festival. The most seen, for did, sure. Uh, yeah. Add that to its laurels. The most screened film at TIFF yeah, 2022. Yeah, I mean, ever. No, there's no way that anything. It's called Unexpected ever. Wonders, right? That's what the title I believe is. So. Yeah. yeah. I, Hundreds. You, have we talked about this already? Yeah, we talked about it. was the cold open. Uh, for you talked about clapping oh, sure, to it. Sure, I don't know yes, if you talked about logging it or whatever. Sure. It's, well, I mean, just that it, what the sort of movie is about. Uh, oh, sure. sure. It's about, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence, it's, or uh, Anne Hathaway, no. excuse me, Anne Hathaway and Zendaya. Um, uh, seemingly, I can't tell what their relationship with each yeah, other is. Yeah, no, there's no... Through themselves, I think? Uh, who knows? It's never, not, not, nothing about character or plot right. is ever laid out in this film. No. Um, I've heard it, a number of guesses about what it could be about. But, sure. Uh, uh, the Peacock is the key for sure, though. Um, maybe it's a Peacock ad for the streaming service. You wish. Um, yeah, it's pretty silly. <laughs> I saw it so many times. Uh, right now, it's probably my favorite thing Sorrentino's made. Mm. And uh, it was crazy to see everyone clap along to it. I yeah, know, I, you know, I, I like it's a tiff experience that like i forgot about it's a sort of pre-roll like the right. first year is there there was the big um uh like apple watch payment commercial for bell or whatever right. where the guy like is doing a fake noise and i have a distinct memory of this guy in front of me losing his mind laughing at it like it was the funniest <laughs> thing he'd ever sure. seen yeah not um and then yeah. there was not not uh, many of them were going for funny this year except for uh, well, there's the diet the, 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 the visa one. one yeah yeah which that was one, the most yeah. annoying one i would that say. was the most well there's another one that uh, I troubled me, but we don't have to talk about that one. Uh, overall, though, I do think it was the least annoying slate of. It felt shorter, uh, certainly, that we've seen, um, and I feel like I feel like it was they were it was generally a little shorter than yeah or fewer that's right. things because there were yeah there wasn't a bell thing there wasn't a Canadian content thing right um, yeah here's the land acknowledgement uh the bulgaria right but the land acknowledgement is that's it. taking over for something that would have been done verbally in the past unless you're right, yeah. watching a peter kleplowski screening and then you get both great um uh yeah well <laughs> like the bulgari one became the clapping one but uh, b- previously right. it was like was it Maybelline or some makeup ad, yeah, the, right? With, was it, or was it the L'Oreal one? L'Oreal, I think that's what it was, yeah. yeah. With, like, severe-looking women like, walking. Ad, yeah. yeah, right. Right, and it's a much better clapping ad. Like, it's got a much, like, deeper beat, like, than the Bulgari yeah. one, which is a little more low-key. Yeah, the Bulgari um, ad did not actually work for clapping. No, I don't think it did. People no, were it was really just, like, something it. to do. Yeah. 
Everyone yeah. was like, well, we're watching it. We got to make it spooky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe this is just because of the, of the witch movies I was attending of public screenings. But I do feel like the R is, like, dying. Uh, it's dying? It's really screening few, specific assume, for that one. Sure. I mean, I assume it must still happen at the Midnight Madness <laughs> screenings. But I feel like other than that, it's like... Uh, a couple times early in the festival, someone, like, tried and was, like, as they were yeah. doing it, clearly embarrassed. And then I you just, could like... Feel there were definitely there ones where there were, like, people who were, like, we're still doing the R. And, like, they were, like, really, like, making it a thing. Like... Sure. Yeah. You I don't feel know the I, seats I shaking in the Princess of Wales during the R at Fablemans. <laughs> Great. All right. So it maybe is just I I missed out right. on the really big. You were uh, not seeing the R movies for sure, Jesse. You were yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. You were avoiding the big crowd pleasers. Um. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Colin, what's another movie you saw that you'd like to talk about a little bit? Um, one that I saw that no one else saw that I can quickly mention is the greatest beer run ever, <laughs> which <laughs> I feel like we talked about we, when we watched the trailer, I was like surprised that it looked funny and I was, it sort of became my like, this will just be a good movie. I'll see it. Um, hyped as hell went to the 9am press screening. And you, you who have never seen green book, by the way, I've not seen green book. I've only seen dumb and dumber and fever pitch and kingpin of the fairly oof. Wow. But, uh... Have not seen Shallow I Hell. was like... Uh, Wait, uh, yeah. Did it... Did Were they serving beer at the Lightbox at 9 a.m.? No. That's too not bad. Not that I saw. I wasn't really focused <laughs> on getting beer. Um, but it was just, um... The movie sort of is, like, exactly what I thought it would be. It's, like, Zac Efron uh, is sort of, like, a scumbag schmuck, like, hanging out in uh, New York... His uh, lives with his parents. His sister's a hippie. Uh, she's trying to get, you know, she's anti-war. And he's like, what are you doing? These are like our fighting soldiers. We got to support them. You know how bad it is. They come home and they see you doing this. And then he gets it into his head. This is the premise of the movie. That he'll go to Vietnam to deliver the beer to the soldiers. Uh, to make them feel like they're at home. And then when he gets there, he realizes that Vietnam is not good. And mm. a lot of it is him, like... There, a lot of it is him uh, sort of being jokey and like everyone's like, what the hell are you doing here? There's a good runner everyone thinks because he's just in civilian clothing uh, and doesn't have a mission, quote unquote. Everyone thinks he's uh, CIA, so they just let him do whatever he wants and he gets to hang out with everybody and get drunk. And then because people think he's CIA, he gets into a helicopter with someone who's CIA and witnesses uh, a war crime where they have a hostage and then end up killing the hostage. And he's like, wait a minute, what's going on? He gets with Russell Crowe, who's like a war photographer. There's like an American sort of photography team. Uh, I think they're working for Life magazine or something. And, like, learns that war is bad through this and uh, sort of other experiences. Um, I won't do the full Osaka one and two treatment of it, though I could, but there's a really, uh, it's like a funny capper of the movie where it's like, I think it's decent. Like it's well, well shot, well directed. I think Efron's like pretty charismatic in like this very like 
basic role of like I mean the movie just like I keep saying it but it's like exactly what you think it is it's not really uh-huh. anything where I was like holy shit like this is a great performance um, but right. I'm just like yeah it's like this sort of half-hearted centrist movie is like fine and like uh-huh. uh has a has a bit of fun um and some like interesting actors in it um but there's this big scene where he gives a speech where he's like all those other wars, those were good, but Vietnam's mm. not so good. And I was like, okay, so I guess like they don't really have a handle on everything. Um, uh-huh. But it's like a movie where they show the pictures of the real guys at the end. Like that's exactly what yeah. you're getting into. I um, yeah, I guess this is not a question for you because you've never seen Green Book. But I am curious why, like, you know, like at TIFF, like real critics were like, oh, Green Book is pretty good actually and like sure, yeah. no one fell for this one i feel like i mean it's a total like... expectations thing right isn't it like it's just like uh, uh i guess Green Book came out of nowhere like no one had any expectations I su- yeah i for suppose it. so this is sort of the follow-up to a best picture win, right so maybe they're yeah like, i expecting guess so. more i and... don't buy the green book came out of nowhere as much as i i feel like people went into tiff i feel like everyone was like Green Book's kind of a dark horse. This might be... Well, once it started screening. No, I think as soon as it was announced, Mm -hmm. it was playing... As soon as it was announced, it was playing the festival. I heard Universal's really big on this movie. They think it's going to be something. I mean, that is also like... You know, it's got Mahershal Ali... Which is right. someone who's like right. a favorite. Well, and yeah, well, and his favorite Oscar Vigo Mortensen, like yeah. Canada, sure, and Vigo, right. you, you Canada know, Golden a, Boy, a hometown hero, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's like, uh, there's like no one. There's no real like, stain worthy performance in. You know, it's not like the Efron heads are like finally he gets his Oscar movie, and it's you know Crow's barely and, in right. it. You've got like teensy bill murray part and everyone else is just sort of like a day player um no one really exciting um maybe i don't see it going far in like an awards race certainly it's coming Uh, out like next week on apple yeah it's an apple one as well um but yeah i mean i feel like people will see it people might be like it's fine people might be like it sucks but it is just one of those things where i'm like yeah this is like a very normal movie Mm -hmm. um I, I, I like we're saying I have not seen Green Book. Um, I know people do like stick up for that Ali performance a lot, right? Um, and also, like I feel like it's maybe you know uh, maybe I'm just using hindsight here, but at that time, you know, a movie like that, people were certainly scoffing at it, but also more centrist believers were like, "This is actually important to like have a movie like this." Maybe. You've got also Linda Cardellini, Heart of Green Book. Absolutely. God. Is she in Beer Run? Does she have a cameo? No, there's... Oh. I guess the heart of Beer Run is Efron. No. Mm. It's gotta be a, a, not, a non-factor female performance that has to be the heart I mean, of the... I mean, I guess, maybe it's like... It, it could be like this character... Does he have like an ex-girlfriend uh, at home or something? You no, see in but one there's scene? a character that's like, mm. I want you... when you're. I heard you're going... To deliver beer, can you give this to my son? Sure. And she's like really sad and broken up about right. it. And he like has this emotional monologue at the end with her where he's like crying because he couldn't find the son. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he's the, she's the hearted 
the, the greatest, greatest beer, beer run ever. Run ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really a nice roll off the tongue. Like, yeah. Heart of Green Book. Yeah. The heart of the greatest. That was an early bit on this show where I made sure to say that Linda Cardellini was the heart of Green Book on every single episode. Sure. Well, I have actually a movie that has been talked about several times now, but that I specifically have uh, not stood up for an element, and I don't know why. Uh, I like Melville Poupeau in One Fine Morning. I I agree. So uh, we, we've had Who's people he? say over it, he is the boyfriend. Oh, that, right. We've okay. had the, uh, the affair say, guy, yeah. Yeah, we've had people say over and over, like, oh, the stuff with the dad's really good. The stuff with the guy she's having an affair with it just sucks. And I'm like, uh, I think I, on a plot level, I'm like, yeah, that's not that interesting. But I do just think he is charming enough. And there, I do, there, there is, like, interesting stuff with, like, how it's affecting her child and his child. It, there's sure. enough there where I do like that part of the movie fine. Yeah, I mean, it's a fine performance. It's just, like, that's kind of an annoying, like, oh, am I going to leave my wife for you? Like, it's hard. I guess it's hard to win over an audience with that sort of character arc happening, especially when they're French. It's like, this is, like, so French. Like, come on. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you've just seen uh, De Humani uh, Corpus Fabrica, you know that the French people look disgusting inside. Unlike sure. us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just I, that I did just want to get that out of. I actually do. I I like that movie more than anyone who we've talked to. I think because sure. I like that section uh, fairly well, and I think that performance yeah. is good. I mean, yeah, it certainly doesn't sink the movie at, like completely for me. It's just like clearly the less interesting right. stuff in the movie. Um, is, do you have anything more to say about that, or can I move on to something else? No. Yeah. Okay. Can... Uh, speaking of, Colin uh, mentioned uh, movies that show the pictures of the real people at the end. Uh, uh, the inspection is a movie that I saw, um, which, uh, Elegance Bratton is like, it's a first time filmmaker. We talked about it a little bit because it's closing. Right. At New York Film Festival. New York Film Festival. And it's, that sort of came out of nowhere. People were like, wow, that's like a real show of confidence in this. Like that there's something. Yeah, it had gotten announced that it was closing, uh, or opening. It opened Discovery section. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I vaguely noticed it just because I had seen it was an A24 movie. We didn't say anything about it until the, uh, New York Film Festival, uh, birth. Yeah. was announced. So, yeah, and so I saw that, and it's Elegance Bratton's, like, inspired by his true life story right. of, uh, he, it stars uh, Jeremy Pope, um, who I think is really wonderful in what was maybe my performance at the festival. Um, mm. uh, he plays a young uh, gay man in the, like, I think early 2000s, maybe late 90s. Uh, it's don't prime don't ask don't tell time in the military, uh, and he uh, is a is he's he's uh, unhoused. Uh, his mother has kicked him out because he is gay, uh, and he joins the Marines. And it's his his experience through basic training in the Marines. Uh, uh, you've got um, Raúl Castillo as like the sympathetic. Uh, uh, tra- trainer. I don't know any of the like true like. Pro sergeant. Sure. 
Um, and then uh, Bokeem Woodbine is like the guy who's really in charge, who's like the hard ass and uh, does does not tr- uh, treat everyone entirely fairly. Let's say. Um, uh, Interesting. And yeah, I think it's like really good. It's um, it it. It got sort of an interesting reaction because I guess like yeah. everyone else noticed like all the like the New York thing, and so people really were starting to get hyped. Is like, ooh, is this going to be like a surprise? Is this gonna? Right. Yeah. Um, is uh, Gabrielle Union gonna like win the Oscar? Uh, all that, all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, but then it when it, I think when it played, it like seems like it deflated a little bit. Like it, people were like, yeah. yeah, some great performances in it. Like it doesn't really quite measure up the rest of it like it's a promising debut but like m- maybe we were like hoping yeah. for too much uh, from debut it. fiction film yes um but like yeah and so they were like yeah this is a director i definitely want to keep an eye on but like i don't quite feel like it's like all the way there yet uh so i sort of went sure. into that uh I, I i went to the public screening on friday early i think uh, it was very adorable. The programmer came out and was like, "Elegance like didn't believe that like people would show up, so she like took a video of the audience of all of us like waving to him because he like wasn't he had to go home and like like she was like it's a full cinema for, for Friday morning or whatever, which I think was very adorable. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I really like. I think like I said, I think Pope is just like really really good in it. Um, it's got a lot of like interesting stuff in it. I think it does depict like it's really it it's not you know you might it's not like punishing in the way that you like might think like a movie Mm -hmm. about this sort of subject matter would be which maybe for some people might be a point against it but i do think like it's a extremely watchable i think it is like something that like is is a good example of like a crowd-pleasing movie tackling a difficult subject um that like is like could be like a real turnoff to people, but I think it like it handles all that stuff really well. I think it gives you great character arcs to track, um, and like yeah, and Gabrielle Union's very good. She's got like three scenes in it, and like they're all Oscar scenes, basically. Maybe not the first one so much, but like uh, she definitely gets like a lot of stuff to chew on. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's really great, and I I think people should keep an eye on it. I know. Um, our friend, our friend Mags, who we were, uh, seeing around the festival also really liked it when I, when we, when we talked about it, she said it was one of her faves of the fest. So, uh, that's one that I would just encourage folks to like, if you maybe wrote it off a little bit after the response, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd urge you to check it out because I think it's really strong. All right. Uh, I saw another one, just going through things that I've seen that no one else saw. Um... I don't have the section on hand, but uh, Charlotte LeBond's Falcon Lake. Mm-hmm. Contemporary Actress world Charlotte cinema, Bon, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because it was also it was in director's Fortnite. Yeah. Um, and uh, actress Charlotte LeBond, <laughs> she's in Fresh this year, as they kept mentioning at the uh, screening. Mm. Um, she's also in The Walk. Um, pretty big, uh, you know, career as an actor. Um, made this French-Canadian coming-of-age summer sort of pseudo-ghost story movie that's, uh, I thought, really, like, good. It's, like, this gorgeous 60-millimeter, like, super, like, close-crop, really captures, like, uh, darkness really, really well, like, in these 
sort of uh, bonfire scenes, you just see like trickling sparks throughout uh like blackness basically and it looks so gorgeous uh and then there's like a lot of great like earthy like greens and purples of like flowers it's just is a really really lush movie this summer and um uh like shooting in summer in montreal and it's about this kid who uh comes over to montreal to uh over the summer with his family to stay with like family friends and he's like 14 and they have a uh the friend of the family they have a daughter and she's 16 and it's sort of more like Laban at this q a was like i wanted her like in a specific sense of like maturing from teenager to adult and him in a uh, specific age of aging from kid to teenager and like uh it was based on this graphic novel also i i don't recall exactly what the title was and she changed certain elements of it um but then it's just about them sort of like develop uh, developing this romantic relationship and like friendship over the summer and she like takes him to older parties <laughs> where he uh, i i think i mentioned it but he does there's this crazy scene where they're at this bonfire party and all the teens are like hanging out getting drunk or whatever and they start playing crazy music and dancing. And he gets up and, like, does the shoot dance and does the Fortnite dances. And everyone's like, yeah, like, this is great. <laughs> and it was a really crazy scene to witness. But I think the movie uh, has a pretty good grasp on, like, modern youth. I feel like uh, the scenes with um, the, like, older, like, Quebecois teens are, like, really funny and, like, really capture the way that teenagers talk to each other. Um, there's a guy who, like, at one point is just, like, lol. And uh, it, it, in the French-Canadian accent really made me laugh. <laughs> but um, otherwise, it's, like, uh, the, the, the girl is obsessed with, like, this story of Falcon Lake where a girl drowned. And there's a lot of, like, drowning fear in it and, uh, you know, sort of ghostly apparitions and she like poses in like uh she has this ghost costume she wears a lot and will like uh pose and have them take a picture to make it look like a ghost so she can like show it to people uh, and then like you know there's like weird sort of uh dynamic between a boy that she likes and that guy like the guy who is like the main kid who's staying with her lying to that guy about them having a relationship and all this stuff that, like, messy drama that teens get into. Uh, and I think it's just, like, really well handled. There's, like, a tragedy in it. Um, and that scene, like, almost lost me. Or not lost me, but almost made me, like, oh, okay, this is, like, a bit of a normal movie. And then there's a big sort of, not payout, but just, like, exciting ending, I think. Um, and I was really just, like, surprised at how, not surprised at how good it was, but just, like, surprised to sort of find this thing uh, hidden in the... Uh, the lineup of just like yeah, it was a director Fortnite, but I feel like no one's really championing it. But mm -hmm. it's uh, I thought it was really strong, and uh, I'm excited for whatever Laban does next. Sure. Uh, I what else do I want to talk about? I, I, Viking is. Uh, Ooh, I did want to see that. Yeah, that's one of two movies from the platform section that I saw, which I feel like was. Uh, kind of a lackluster edition of plat of platform, even though you know we talked about how to blow up a pipeline and that has its own fear around it. Uh, but Viking, I do think, is uh, quite good. The premise is that uh, 
there's this mission that is going to Mars, uh, an American mission, and, like, as they are approaching Mars, uh, they're like, these people do not get along, and it is a problem. And so the Canadian Space Agency uh, goes to, has this, like, compound in the middle of nowhere in Quebec, or maybe the compound's even in the United States, but uh, they get, they draw these people from Quebec, so the movie's mostly in French, uh, to, they find people who are, like, uh, matches for the astronauts in terms of, like, their style of work and their uh, demeanor and and decision-making and whatever, and they have them, uh, simulate being on Mars together in order to generate suggestions for how the people on Mars might be able to get along. Uh, so it is immediately, like, everyone hears about this and they're like, oh, it's just the rehearsal, but about space. Sure. Uh, and it is that. Uh, and it is... That's funny. Uh, similarly about uh, how uh, that it's a ridiculous idea. Uh, but it is just very fun to watch. It's like they, uh, they, they have to, like, call each other by the names of the astronaut. So, like, there's this, and, like, wear name tags. So there's this, like, this, just, like, uh, old middle-aged guy named Liz. Uh, and, like, the, the main character, I think his name is Dave, and the astronaut he's portraying is named John... And then he kind of starts having feelings for this woman, and uh, the woman is uh, playing an astronaut named Steven. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It is just, uh, and it like it gets, it does get pretty dark at points. Mm-hmm. Like it, it becomes obvious that like the the issues that they're having up in space are like bad, uh, but is just kind of. Uh, because it is a fiction film, it's just, like, easier to just be like, oh, but then when it's being funny, it's just, like, fun to watch. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. That's, I, I don't know. The, I'd heard of the director a little bit. He had a movie called Two Door Nicole mm-hmm. years ago that I didn't see, but remember hearing was good. So I, I, that that is a movie that, like, got some release and attention when it got released. So I, I hope that this one does as well, because it's... Uh, it's it's very just uh it's a nice it was a nice little late festival uh kind of at the point where i was like this movie's premiered but i haven't really heard much about it i I don't know and then it was just like oh it's really nice uh so uh yeah another another recommend andy you got another one that you saw that you want to talk about uh sure i mean well yeah i feel like we should maybe just talk about we. I feel like we haven't on the podcast talked about w- women talking really at all yeah, yet. Sure. So we sh- yeah. we should and Jesse, I know you also saw that. Yes. So we should we should yeah. talk about that a little bit, which of course was the uh, oh Cullen's leaving. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, it's the uh, oh I thought he was doing a bit, but he's actually <laughs> he has to step away. Uh, you can edit this out, Jesse. Um, uh, Probably not. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
the um, it, it won the runner up the uh, for People's Choice, which I think is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I know you talked a little bit about Fableman's winning the People's Choice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you mentioned. Uh, uh, Woman Talking was runner-up. We mentioned then, right, what yeah. the movies were, yeah. Sure. Woman Talking, Glass uh, Onion. Glass Onion. But yeah, um, it, Sarah Polly, uh, who we talked about recently uh, mm-hmm. on the show, uh, directed this adaptation of is Miriam Toes is her name? Tevs. Tevs. Tevs, excuse me. Uh, novel, uh, which uh, Jesse has read. I have not. It is. Um, uh, uh, and it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's set in a religious community where the women have been uh, abused by the men and mm-hmm. they're sort of uh, talking through what their response to that is going to be. Yes. Um, and I really loved it. It got probably the warmest reception of anything I saw at the festival, possibly sure. because it was the only thing I saw where the director was still there, because uh, mm-hmm. Polly was just in town and I think she went to all the screenings, which is uh, good of her. Um, yeah. and, and, I mean, and, she, and she's in town because yeah. she lives in town. She lives there, yes, and uh, is a savvy strategy, I think, if she for uh, for People's Choice. Um, I'm sure. Uh, which I'm sorry, I'm I think it's a great uh, runner-up winner. Um, but um, but yeah, it's I, I I really liked it. It's um, I think it does a really good job because it is. I mean, it's a real pitch down the middle towards me that it's like. Everyone's right. debating the best idea of like what they should do, like right. philosophically, like uh, like right. on a, like a moral, like deep level. But I think it does do a really good job of every time it threatens to veer too deep into just being that. It reminds you of like the real world situation that these women have gone through. Like there is a, a, an, enough of a someone brings up like something that like lets you remember, like, oh, this is, like, so real to them. This is, like, they're, they uh-huh. have gone through this real horrible thing, and, like, they are having to make this real deep decision that will, like, change the course of their lives forever, no matter what choice they make. Uh-huh. Um, and I think, like, it does a really good job of, like, combining those two things. Um, yeah, and I one thing that I have heard people say is, I, I, I've heard people be like, oh, the choice is not actually that interesting. Like, a, they, they're deciding between if they're going to stay and fight or if they're going to leave and, you know, leave the place where they have lived yeah. their entire lives. And and I have, I've seen people say, like, oh, that's not actually that interesting, uh, like, choice. Like, they pretty quickly figure out that one of those things doesn't, it isn't going to work. Right. And I'm like, no, the point is not really deciding which of those things to do. It's how they talk themselves into being able to do either of them and mm-hmm. just like the, what it the means, other this yeah. yeah what it means and the sort of larger uh issues around faith uh that they're having uh so like i don't know i am like i think it mostly works it is good there i kind of am still just trying to figure out like why make this into a movie because it like every decision that she makes in in the adaptation is like neutral to positive other than just like it's shorter so you've got to cut a bunch of stuff and i am just like there is some value in just like you're gonna get this out to a larger audience and the Mm -hmm. actors are all good so they're good performances that you get to see but i am just like it doesn't necessarily excite me that it's just like 
oh, there's this really good book, and now there's a movie that is just that, but less of the stuff that's in it, and it's good. So I don't know. I I like it, and I am just like, sometimes that just happens where you've read a book, and the movie is just like, eh, I would have, there, there's, I would have liked more stuff, and it's just, uh, I, I'm curious to see if I do get another chance to see it, having the book yeah. just less in my head what I make of it, mm-hmm. but I, I was just kind of like, it just feels like this is like the book, but not as good, which is still good, but yeah. Sure. Um, and yeah, and not having read the book. Yeah. I would, I, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, the main, the main thing that you're losing is that, uh, so Ben Wishaw right. is, uh, he, he is at this meeting, taking the minutes and the book just is the minutes. Uh, so he is the narrator of the book and just, like, has a lot more stuff. And there is just, like, generally more backstory that he is giving to others of these characters that just, like, doesn't Mm -hmm. make it... Some of it's kind of, like, hinted at in the movie, some of it isn't. I mean, like, there's, there's much more around, like, why his family... Uh, was kicked out of the colony and why he eventually came back. There's also stuff around, like, uh, him, uh, there's stuff that does still make it in about him, uh, being in love with, uh, Rooney Mara's character, Ona. Then there's also stuff that doesn't really make it about, uh, there's, uh, like a, a third, so, uh, Claire Foy is then playing, uh, Salome, uh, Ona's sister, and there's stuff about there was another sister of theirs, uh, who, who was the mother of Nietzsche, who is also at the meeting, who's a young woman that Salome eventually adopted. So there is just, like, there's a lot more stuff in sure. the book, but I'm just like, a lot of this stuff is really good, and, uh, you know, it, it's not, it, it structurally would not work as a miniseries, uh, sure. but it is just too bad that it's just like, I'd watch a three hour movie of this. This is like a hundred sure. minutes. Uh, yeah, it's so pretty, it's pretty. And it scarce. like, and, and you know, it, it, I think it would work as something durational like that just because like it, it it's set over a very contracted period of right. time, but is. You know, most of it, I, I think you could just have more stuff where you're just, like, getting the rhythms right. of the conversation. It does sometimes feel like they're just, like, going through what are the arguments where there is also more time in the book. Like, it happens once in the movie, but there's, like, a lot of times in the book where they're just, like, having a difficult discussion or just, like, we need to stop and sing a hymn. And there's not as much sure. just, like... like slowing down and just like regarding each other as people as happens in the book sounds like they should give it the uh the 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 great gatsby gats treatment and do a stage version where they just read every word of the book out loud on stage and like have Uh, people take on the characters maybe it would be a challenge for the person playing uh ben wishaw because like beyond it being his minutes he does just like talk a lot uh, and just like uh, yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, I listened to the audiobook, and it is, it's not a, you could do a full cast audiobook conceivably, right. even though How long a lot is the of it is just, uh, it's like, 
it's it's like six hours. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for folks to see this one. I do think. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gonna have an interesting rollout. Yeah, um, and there are I, to be clear, there there are people who are like my, who are like very negative on this yeah, movie, especially sure. at at TIFF, who are like. Uh, it's too didactic, or I mean, there's just the people who are like, it looks weird, which is kind of true, but that never really bothered me, and I, I yeah. don't agree with that. I think it is a good movie. I am just like, oh, it doesn't, it never affects me in the way that the book does. I don't think, uh, even like some of the, there are specific moments where I'm like, oh, this is. Uh, well done, but there's things about this where I'm like, oh, this hits harder in the book just because there's so much more that goes into it. Uh, like, there's, there's a moment at the end between Foy and Wishaw that, especially, and also a lot of this stuff with Wishaw and Mara. Yeah. Um, okay. Should we do, like, everyone Should does another one? one more, or? Uh, I've got one more that I can talk about solo, and then I do just want to mention, like, two other things that you already talked sure. about that would take like a minute okay sure um so yeah the last one i saw the, that no one else saw was the latest from hong sing su walk up yeah which had its uh, world premiere uh-huh. at if i was there um not a full crowd <laughs> uh I, maybe you should have expected it but i was like after being what theater was it you know, earlier this year i was at the retrospective that lincoln center put on right and they were like people were rolling out for Hong, so I was expecting like pretty rowdy um, <laughs> Hong. Heads, and it was yeah. it was a normal uh, crowd. They introduced the movie um, and introduced the structure of it, which was interesting. Hmm. Where uh, it's called Walk Up, and it's about a filmmaker um, who is visiting this like friend of his who owns an apartment building, and he's like visiting with his daughter and. Um, they go there, they, like, have a meal, sort of, like, have a chat at the at the bottom floor. They go up to the middle, and there's, like, a, a scene there. And then they go up to the top, and there's another scene between, like, two characters while uh, the filmmaker's away. And then there's, like, a bit of guitar uh, fade up, or, like, there's, like, little shots of sort of inanimate objects around uh, the building. Uh, it's another black and white one. Um, and the director comes back has a scene on the bottom floor, guitar, time passes, like, a lot of time has passed. He goes up, like, then he's on the second floor, there's a scene, you know, uh, cut away, guitar, and then there's a big scene at the top, and then it ends with a scene on the ground floor of everyone leaving the building, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the sort of structure of, like, introduces all the floors and then goes through them again as, like, his life uh, time passes through... Huh. He has different relationships that sort of grow out. And um, there's even, like, mentions of, like, they talk about COVID a little bit. They talk about, like, not wanting to do things, not wanting to travel because of COVID. And, like, um, he talks up the filmmakers, like, I don't, they're doing this retrospective of me, but I feel like it might be ghost if I go. <laughs> and also, like, we were going to do a trip to Japan. I don't want to spend our money going to this thing. <laughs> And I was like, this is crazy. He's, like, talking about Lincoln Center. and uh, But it's, like, as Hong is typically reflective of his life and, like, his work. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as one-to-one uh, as, like, you would think. But there are bits where he, like, talks about the struggles of, like, having an extramarital affair and, like, 
situating his life around his kid and like whether or not he neglected them at the time um and like dealing with his uh there's like offhanded mentions i think of him having to deal with his uh former wife former partner and then like people are sort of enamored with him and enamored with his films and he is like very humble about it there's obviously there's a lot of drinking in it uh, this one is mostly wine, which was interesting. But then at the end, he's like, yeah, I think I like... It's like a weird, like, uh, you know, Avengers, like, tee-up. He's like, the, my, you know, I'm trying to be healthy. I think Hong himself is a vegetarian for a few years now. And in the movie, he's vegetarian. And then it ends, and he's like, I think soju's good for me. <laughs> and it was like a big laugh in the theater. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't mention this uh, on the episode uh, that came out earlier this week. Um that there was a guy in the theater who had a, the drive jacket on, and it uh-huh. was really a crazy experience to see that in person as well. But I think the movie's great. It's um, of the Hongs that I've seen. Like there was one um, in front of your face was the sort of late festival player last year. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen the novelist film yet, which was the one that was at Berlin this year. Uh-huh. As he sort of just is like one at Berlin, one at either New York or Diff. Like. Yeah. Back and forth. Um, yeah. Uh, but then in also... In Your Face the... premiered it. Can, I think. Did it premiere Can? Yeah. I guess, sorry, yeah. I forgot about that. It was... And then the... it had... Because uh, they played both at NIF. They yeah. played Introduction mm-hmm. and In Front of Face. Yeah. Yeah, which they're um, doing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then it was also just like... Um, the big formal thing that everyone was talking about mm-hmm. before... Or not everyone, but I just like... Had been pointed out to me before. And it was an exciting thing to see just as like we've talked about before where he just does something that's like new for him. And because he has such a prolific output, you notice these little changes and there's no zooms in it, which he's like famous for these long zooms that are like so impactful, like the one in right now, wrong then. And then here in, uh, uh, walk up, there aren't any, and it's like noticeable, which I think is very exciting. Uh, but it's really good. I really liked it a lot. It's really funny that the lack of something is so exciting. Well, I mean, but that's what... It's just it's like, just, he could you know, be zooming is... here, but he's not! <laughs> well, yeah, he could, and it's just like, here's a shot of this, you know, like, house plant, and, like, it's an interesting thing to just have that static shot rather than have, like, some long zoom that he'll have mm-hmm. onto people. Like, it's a very, um... Yeah. It's a very exciting thing, in a way. Uh, anyway, do you have another one, Jesse, that you saw that... Sure, I mean, I have several. I guess right. one, I, I actually last night watched uh, a screener of a film called Unrest, uh, which was the last of the movies in the wavelength section that I haven't seen. Uh, and that, I thought, was, I was going to say a lot of fun, which is a funny thing to say about a very dry movie about watchmaking and anarchism in Swiss in a valley in Switzerland in the late nineteenth century. But it is, it is kind of fun, uh, and it is just like about those things. And I'm just like, yeah, those are things that are interesting enough to just kind of do for ninety minutes. And it, it it was like a very good wavelength in general. I think uh, horse opera is one that. Uh, is a new essay film from uh, Moira Davey, uh, filmmaker and visual artist and writer. Uh, that uh, it, it, it was one of the things I saw the latest, and I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't been so tired when I watched that. But I do like it a lot. Uh, it, she her she does she has this very weird technique where the the text of the film she records on her phone. 
and then listens to that recording in earbuds and like records it more professionally in this like weird monotone where she's repeating the things she's hearing uh and and some of the footage will be her just like doing that and like she'll like walk back and forth but then they're also in this film is a lot of footage of animals because i think if several years ago she moved uh like somewhere upstate new york a little more rural uh from new york city so there's uh, some a lot of it is horses but then other animals that she was shooting or i think a little of it she said even came from friends but then there's also this uh element that is new for her where most of her essay films have been first person uh, including that one that i saw right before the festival called hemlock forest that i like but this one is done in third person about a character named l and like still has a like fairly citation heavy kind of the way that she writes these essays uh but it is interesting to do that in third person so yeah that's one that i'd like to take another look at as well as the movie that was paired with it eventide by sharon lockhart that's also uh-huh. like that's really those are both movies that i would be very happy to see again i think uh there's like a retrospective of Davies' work going on at MoMA right now, where this is gonna have its U.S. premiere. Nice, but yeah, yeah you talk about um, wavelengths being really strong. We earlier in the week talked about uh, Dei Humani Corpora's uh-huh. Africa, which yeah. is one of my favorite things of the festival, and was in wavelengths. Yeah, and the other great. thing that is like one of my favorites of the oh, festival. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you talked about it on the Wavelengths episode earlier. No, we haven't had a Wavelengths episode. Oh, sure, Uh, sure, sure. The other one is, are you going to say Will of the Wisp? No, I was going to say part of Wavelengths 2 shorts. Oh, the shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, Bigger on the inside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's really good. Directed by Angelo Madsen Menax. Yeah. It's a short that I like was, I mean, I sort of on a whim went to Wavelengths 2. Yeah. I like got in a rush line like it was 2018 (laughs) and, um was uh very very excited like it had the kurt walker short um Mm -hmm. uh i thought the world of you which i was excited to see i'm a fan of his work Mm -hmm. and like the sort of kinetta um crew um or kinet excuse me um Uh uh sort of filmmaking group and um so i was excited i was like i'll see this wavelengths it'll be a nice thing to see the shorts i hadn't had any uh fit in my schedule yet and then um this one really took me by surprise. It's like, uh, I talked about, um, Falcon Lake sort of having a good understanding of like modern youth uh-huh. in a way. Like, yeah. obviously, I mean, I'm not a modern youth, but this, I think really, uh, bigger on the inside has a very good grasp of like internet. And yeah. there's a scene where, I mean, it's like all sort of desktop footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, there's a scene where they're like, you're watching YouTube, like a YouTube tutorial, on this like theory and uh or not you tutorial but just like a, a an explainer of this specific theory and in the sidebar is like <laughs> this snl sketch that's bill Hader yeah, yeah, doing yeah. the puppet support yeah. group with seth mcfarland i was like i get this recommended to me all the time <laughs> this is so crazy yeah, yeah. and uh they, there's like funny scenes of like uh like sexting i the 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 line that i remember um, or that was very funny to me was, uh, are you into emotional edging? Uh-huh. And it's like a lot of like stuff like that. Um, yeah. 
And then it has this huge moment, similar to De Humani Corporis Fabrica, where I was so shocked when they have this huge Blue Monday needle drop. At the end, they play this song called the Born Slippy. That is, I think if you've seen either train spotting movie, you would recognize it. But it's this, like, housey, like, dance anthem from back in the day that I was, like, I listened to all the time, just coincidentally. And then it showed up in this movie, and I was like, holy shit, this is so sick. And, like, Emilio, who's not here, uh, we were talking about it after. He was like, I was looking in the theater to see if you were, like, <laughs> pogging out. <laughs> and I was like, I was. It was so, I was so excited. And, like, it really was the sort of... Um, was the short that stuck out to me the most. Uh, there was another one that was really good, or uh, I thought the Kurt Walker one was really good. I'm just, like, a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. But then there's one called Puerta Puerta that's about, like, this bird board game. Yeah, <laughs> and you like Yes, and you, like, scan the, the birds, like, the little icon on the board game, and there's, like, a sort of AR component with the guy's phone, it seemed. Yeah. It was very interesting to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those, I, I saw a lot of the shorts, and they're hard to talk about, but they are... Yeah, yeah. Good, I should take more notes on them next time, because uh, yeah. I am just kind of like, I know I liked a lot of them, but I don't really remember what any of them are. I, I, Will, yeah. uh, Will of the Wisp is also just like, uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but that because Emilio saw it, can't, but that movie rules. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, it was the one that I fell victim to as sort of, uh, Tiff sleepiness yeah. through, which is insane because it's only an hour it long. It is, yeah. But um, so I, I think I missed less of it than I think. Yeah, it's just a sort of interestingly structured film. It is, but the yeah. parts that I saw, I thought were very interesting. Yeah. And like when we talked about um, one of our two thousand nine episodes, we talked about to die like oh, a yeah. man, yeah, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I've always yeah, I've, I've been meaning the, to watch the ornithologist. ornithologist yeah, for the, a I really like the ornithologist. I saw that when it was playing festivals uh but yeah i mean this is just like when you hear uh hour-long sexy firefighter musical uh, this is basically you know and that it's a portuguese art film i guess yeah this is what you want that to be yeah yeah i'll probably still check it out we've still got it we've got it yeah i mean you should it's 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 got some fun stuff the musical numbers are pretty pretty fun um yeah, there's like a lot of like interesting stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like cutting back and forth in time. Yeah, uh, it's time, it's very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, for my last movie, I guess I'll I'll shout out the one that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about. Uh, played pretty quietly at the festival, but Sebastian Lelio Lelio's The Wonder, uh, starring Florence Pugh. Uh, I saw um at a press screening. Uh, why I, I was, I don't think it's Lelio's best, but like, but by far, like it's, it, it's, um, I've, I've liked, I like, I like Laurie Bell a lot more than this, but I do think it is pretty strong. I think Pew's really good. Like she's, she, you know, it's, she plays a nurse, uh, who has been his, she's an English nurse and she's been called to Ireland to, um, uh, help investigate, uh, slash oversee this uh, young girl who uh, everyone in town thinks she might be a saint because she has uh, reportedly been uh, going without food for uh, like mm-hmm. nine nine months, eight or nine months, I think. Uh, and so uh, it's her and a nun are like trading off on watch duties and like they're supposed to try to like oversee and like either confirm or deny or like 
dis or or prove disprove this miracle. Um, and so it's a lot like I think it handles like the like quote unquote mystery of it all pretty well in that it doesn't treat it too much of like too much of a mystery. Like pretty soon you like I think because I think it's based on a true story. Um, mm-hmm. It's like you've she figures out what's going on and like. It, she follows she like takes some actions and then like the movie just follows through on like yes and so then the movie just becomes more about like what will people do mm-hmm. to like continue believing in this and and to and to try to like force this like like when when confronted with like someone who's like not willing to go along with it like how does the community handle it like especially mm-hmm. when it's an outsider and all that sort of thing um mm-hmm. yeah and i there's like i think it looks pretty good especially for a netflix movie um like her her, the costuming i think is really strong like the that that there's i always talk about the press stills i don't know why but like Mm -hmm. the the like the dress she wears in the press still like and i think it looks really striking especially there's a lot of like she has to like walk to like in between like the village and like the house where the girl is which is like a long walk through like rural ireland like and so you see a lot of her walking through, and I think the way the dress, like, gets muddy at the bottom and stuff is, like, really striking and just visually, like, really um, something that I, I really keyed into for some reason. Um, and yeah, and, like, the other performances are pretty solid. It's got um, uh, Tom Burks in it. Um, it's mm. uh, got the uh, the Irish guy from Station Eleven. Um, who oh, I, David uh, Wilmot. Yes. Who, like... Is just a really striking looking guy and oh, has yeah. like a I mean, lot of presence. Um, yeah, he did a lot of uh, McDonough's plays in their like sure. original West End that productions. I makes think makes a lot of sense. Yes, um, and he doesn't have like a huge role, but he is like mm-hmm. it's he's in it throughout and is like a fun presence and like I really like watching that guy on screen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and, and like it's a Netflix movie. It seems like it's going to be far from Netflix's highest priority in terms of like publicity and getting people to see it. But I think mm-hmm. it's like really solid and worth a watch uh and uh and I do think it is visually good enough that like it's worth seeing in the theater if you're able to. Um, yeah, was it did they, they it's in the it was in that like dump of release dates. Is it like at the very end of I the think year? so. Uh I don't have it in front of me. Hold on. Sure. November 16th. Oh, okay. On the on on Netflix, it, or in theaters. Uh, I'm just looking at the poster. It says November 16th sure. Netflix. So maybe. then that's probably the when it goes to the streaming. So if it's uh, in theaters, that might be a couple week, week or two before that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Other than that, like, there's obviously there's other things I saw. I guess I'll a little brief shout out to I I did because there's no like I can't log it. I saw the documentary now. Uh, episodes, uh, which were a lot of fun. Uh, especially, I really liked the third one, uh, which is the Kate Blanchett one, uh, which is just like a little like it's a like a British TV documentary about like a little uh, hairdresser shop in like a t- little town and like the ladies that go there. And uh, it's it's Kate Blanchett and Harriet Walter are like the two main ladies um... there. And Harriet Walter has like a really funny monologue in it that I will not spoil here, uh, but I think she's really good in it. Um. Yeah. How's the who 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 does the my octopus teacher one? That was one of them, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean in terms of like who, who is who is the the person in it? Oh, it's uh, what's his name? He's that British guy who was it? Uh, 
Stathlet's Flats, that show. Oh, yes. It's, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Jamie Demetrio yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Jamie Demetrio. Oh. Okay. He's the brother of the actress from What We Do in the Shadows. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. In, uh, he's like, yeah. Staff Let's Flats. Right. <laughs> my, my, my favorite <laughs> title. Yeah, it's a good title. My dad watched some of that show. I know it's on HBO Max. Uh, yeah, um, you know what, Andy? <laughs> uh, this is an off my conversation, but I talked about that recently. What, all the stuff my dad watches? <laughs> no, oh. just that you're... Because I thought someone else's dad watched oh, Staff sure. Let's Flats. Yeah, <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, but yeah, that one's, it, I mean, it's like one joke, but it's pretty funny, that right. one, and like, I think it's a good performance. Uh-huh. Uh, my Monkey Grifter. Was the other one the, the, uh, the... The other one was the Agnes Nick Varda, Gun. uh, Shavir, uh that... which, uh, was a little, like, less jokey for, from my perspective. Like, it wasn't, like, as laugh-out-loud uh-huh. funny, but, like, it really, like, it really nails a lot of the aesthetic stuff from what, I, I mean, I've seen, like... Faces, please. Who's in that one? Um, it's like a bunch of French people. Like, uh, French people. Yeah. Okay. Is that, that's not the one that has Nicholas Braun in it? No, it is not. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, um, I had a really good time watching those and it was like great, just like sort of like dead center in my, fa- I guess a little bit late, towards the end of my festival, yeah. like to just like watch uh-huh. three documentary now funny episodes. Sure, uh, it's like a little power. It was like answer. very nice. Yeah, I was like, I don't have to worry about logging these. I don't have to worry about it. Like, I'm just going to watch <laughs> and enjoy and laugh at these three things. Um, yeah. Yeah. The only other right. thing, which I think we've talked about <laughs> enough, but I just do want to say an echo if I haven't said it yet, that EO is incredible. Yeah, he is great. Um, I really just, I mean, an insane-looking movie uh, was not really fully prepared mm-hmm. for how hard it would go. There's some crazy drone shots. There's, like, an insane robot dog that shows yeah, up. Yeah, we have the um, robot. The robot dog's great. One yeah. of, we talked about the sort of punch in Banshees of Inisherin that's quite startling. There's a really startling act of violence in uh, mm-hmm. EO that uh, uh-huh. is sticking with me. But it's, you know, it's... Uh, from what I've heard of Warhorse, I guess it's similar to Warhorse, so, uh, maybe, but it's just got a donkey. But that was my donkey day where I saw Banshees, I saw Pearl, and I saw EO. There's a donkey and all three in of them Pearl have donkeys too? in it. Wow. There's a donkey in Pearl. And yeah. apparently the cow from First Cow is in Pearl. Oh, wow. Sure. Good for that cow. Uh, yeah. Get those residuals. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you must, because, yeah, I mean, you get... A lot more money when you uh, do your second project, and most animals don't get that opportunity. I feel like so true. Uh, yeah, I, I I do feel like getting really high and watching EO sounds like a good call. I might do that. I I feel like I heard something about November maybe, but if it doesn't get a wide release, it might do the EU showcase at uh, AFI. I saw EO at EU. <laughs> That's right. I saw Todd Hitchcock wandering around uh, of okay. AFI. Uh, Shake him down. Great. <laughs> Play you, you nerd. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess we can just... Oh, and I yeah, so then I guess maybe the last thing I'll do is I will set up uh, Concrete Valley a little bit before we uh, cut to that interview, uh, which is that it is... Uh, also in the wavelength section, uh, and it's set in this neighborhood in Toronto, uh, Thorncliff, uh, or Thorncliff Park, maybe, uh, and it's about these, uh, 
to uh, this couple who has immigrated from Syria. Uh, they have a young child, and it's it's just sort of about uh, they're in this community, uh, this community Thorncliff Park that is a largely immigrant community, and about just like how they deal with the people there and how they deal with the larger Toronto community and then also how that sort of affects their relationship. Uh, and then, and yeah, like just like what, how your sort of sense of personhood is sort of affected by immigration and by language. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's a, a really good movie. I hope that it is, uh, out somewhere at some point. Uh, in fact, I, I, I will ask in a, at the end of the interview, I'll ask Antoine Borges where you can find that out, uh, and we'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, so definitely, uh, Check that out and uh, stick around for my interview with Antoine. Wow, what a great interview! Are we doing? A, Are we going to do? We could. We could. Do... I have a fun special presentation. All right. Then well, then we go can... ahead. I guess. Yeah. Let's do special presentations. <laughs> okay. Uh, my special presentation, which I just discovered, is the uh, box art. Uh, for the uh, Jason Reitman film Young Adult, which I just discovered I had never seen it before, I don't think. Because I remember that poster, which I think is like what you see when you, it's online, which is just like Charlie's Theron, like in like the green and the the mm-hmm. and the pink like tracksuit or whatever, like sweats. Uh, the the box art for the Blu-ray, it looks sort of like a children's uh, or like a YA novel, like it's got like a a. It's the same colors. It's the green and the pink, uh, but that sort of that like it's got like a book spine sort of look to it, and then it's uh, says Charlie's Throne Young Adult at the top. Uh, it uh, has two pull quotes: "Ferociously refreshing" from "Ain't It Cool News," and "Charlie's Throne is a comic force of nature" from Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. Uh, it says written by Diablo Cody at the bottom. Oh, they get Travers. Yeah, I know. He <laughs> he gave him a pull quote for some reason. Um, <laughs> the guy's so tight lipped. Yeah. I can't believe they get a quote from <laughs> I don't him. No, no, they beat it out of him. Um, uh, it says written by Diablo Cody at the bottom, like the author page, and then the, like it, above that, like it's a picture of Charlie's Throne, like drunk in a bed with her little dog, and like. Uh, she's holding like a bottle of something like in a hotel room and there's like it's it's a nasty photo and then there's like a little like sticker <laughs> it's a nasty photo i mean it's you know it's like it's a gross photo or whatever are you going to show us <laughs> i i can sure <laughs> i feel like i'm um, i do, i just want to see it i don't yeah. know, I have to well, look i'm it describing up. it for our listeners um I'm gonna post it sure. in the uh, our group DM. I presumably you're looking at it. It's I am. not coming from memory. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. And so then there's like a little gold foil thing, and it says directed by Jason Reitman, and then like around the, it's got like the little pointy things, and then around the border of it, it says his other movies. Juno up in the air. Thank you for smoking. And so I just like I'd never seen it before. Uh, uh, nonstop Pop had t- tweeted it earlier because he like t- he um, who is. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Will Harris, who like d- used to do like the random roles for AV Club a lot. Um, who I felt just I, I just he said like I picked this up today and I was like oh that's like a really interesting Blu-ray cover I'd never seen that it's uh, interesting theming with the movie uh, and I just had never seen it and I like like that movie a lot so I think I might you don't buy own it. it no I don't I <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> I know I'm gonna pick it up I think because like 
It looks really sure, cool. Okay, I'm looking at the picture now. Yeah. Okay. That's oh, my yeah, special presentation. I was really excited. Oh, about that it. is nice. Yeah. I yeah, mean, right. sure. I just I was so uh, mm-hmm. bewildered by how it was presented. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right, I, have... I I truly thought you were holding it off camera, reading no, it, like, no, 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 looking no. at a copy. I like, just literally saw a photo of it online and was like, I have never, I have never seen this before. I saw the picture of it online. Is like, right. that's really striking Blu-ray box art. I didn't, I, I've only ever uh-huh. seen like the poster with just Charlize on it. Anyway, All right. who else has a special well, presentation? I, I have a special presentation. Yeah, Rate and review us on uh, iTunes. Everyone's yeah. always asking their uh, podcast, uh, and we never do to do that. Yeah, we usually don't. I don't know why it's good, but I assume it must be. I think it's just it. It is more. It's like a spotlighting. Sure, thing but like, like why iTunes and why not Spotify or Google? I I, I don't know. I mean, look, but feel free to do it. I, I mean, it's sort of a relic of a time when Apple Podcasts but was the only game in town. I guess so. that's true. I guess um, so. Maybe that. I guess review is something like Google Podcasts now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can. Go to like us. every platform like and like rate and review us five I don't stars. Think, like, I don't think you can rate things on the one that I use. Okay. Uh, but yeah, if you can, do it. Right. Yeah. Tweet about us. Tell your friends. Because I remember early um, on there was a time where someone was like, give us four stars or whatever. And like. Well, yeah, I did the joke when we, we I, I was like, you know. <laughs> I feel like more sure. people would be inclined to do a specific rating than if you just generically are like, you know, give us five stars. Right. Uh-huh. We're filling. But, but yeah, then people actually did it and I got mad. So give us actually five stars, please. <laughs> yeah, five stars. You, of course, have now put the four-star idea back in their head, Andrew. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I will blame myself if it happens again. Great. Uh, yeah. If you tweet about us also, or, or post about us on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, also say five stars. Yeah. In the in the post. If either five asterisks or the word the number five and then the word stars. That's that's what uh-huh. we're looking for. You can if you're doing it on on your own platform, then you can say four stars as long as you make clear that it's out of four. You're using that's the right Ebert using scale. the Ebert scale. Absolutely. So if you want to give us four stars, do it on maybe not on uh, maybe maybe do four asterisks and another asterisk which indicates that it's the Ebert scale. So it's using only four stars. That's good. That's I think a that's great, really good. Great pitch, Andy. Thank you. I'm really proud of that. I just came up with that. <laughs> All right, Cullen. Yeah. Um. Sort of a Toronto uh, presentation. Wow. Uh, north of Brooklyn Pizzeria has a great pie. I had a sopressata <laughs> ricotta and hot honey pie Ooh. that was incredible. And I had uh, one that was called the Truffle Shuffle, and it was like a cremini truffle oil garlic cheese situation that was really great. And they do this cool thing where, uh, I mean, maybe it's normal and I just have only had, you know, Bobo Pizza places, but they're like, on their menu when you're getting delivery, you can be like, uh, you can add a bottle of our homemade fermented hot sauce, and I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And it's a little glass bottle, like 100 mils. Uh, of their homemade habanero bell pepper garlic hot sauce that is incredible. And I wow. put it on the pizza, and then I roll it up in my friend's paper towels and stuck it in my suitcase to take it home <laughs> with me. Don't you have to put it in a... You, they make you put it in a, in a Ziploc bag? Well, no, because it was just in my suitcase and I checked my oh, bag. Oh, you so checked it. Sure, I didn't sure. go through TSA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't check anything. Uh, all right. Well... 
Now we're going to cut to the interview because I do not want to <laughs> splice it into the middle. So sure, wait. sure, sure. Enjoy a rush edit now. job on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yeah. All right. Uh, and I am now joined by Antoine Borge, uh, director of Concrete Valley. Uh, thank you much, so much for joining me, Antoine. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll just start by asking about what seemed to me to be the sort of conflict at the center of the film, uh, which is between uh, care in a community context and in uh, a more individual uh, relationship context. And in the case of this film, how we have a character who is uh, very good at one of those things and not at the other. Uh, And I'm just wondering how that sort of uh, conflict uh, is something you became interested in because it was one that was very unexpected for me that I found really fascinating. Uh, Yeah, thanks. That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. I feel it's something that came early on. Uh, I think in general, the uh, the relationship between public and private was one of the early early themes. And uh, when I started writing, um, I was interested in people uh, that had this need to care, but uh, maybe had different kinds of uh, difficulties caring for others. Uh, some that uh, caring for others outside of their home within their community and, and caring inside of their home and just kind of exploring uh, the different ways in which uh, those main characters, uh, yeah, express uh, their need for connection uh, and the, the the struggle that they have, not just because they're new immigrants, but uh, because they're just not in a great place in their lives and in their relationship. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think care and language, I would say, were like the two mm-hmm. kind of core themes and and uh, similarly, I think exploring someone who's who's trying to communicate, uh, you know, outside, uh, who's learning this new language, um, and then at home, who's you know speaking in the in their own language in a way that you know mm-hmm. we we see them being more comfortable. And you know, when you speak your 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 first language, it's mm-hmm. the language becomes much easier. But but there's no communication, so it's mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just playing with these two mm-hmm. things and the the public and the private. I think in films, uh-huh. they it's so interesting because you can reveal a character in two completely different ways and add so much uh, layers and, and richness just by placing them in in, in the public context or the private context. Uh, and so, yeah, I was definitely interested in exploring that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, that that leads quite nicely into my next question, which was going to be uh, about language. Uh, I, I know you had uh, a co-screenwriter. Do you speak Arabic? I don't speak Arabic. Okay, so, so yeah. yeah, I, 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 yeah, was there <laughs> sort of a, an interesting parallel in writing and directing in the film? In you know, you're making a film about uh, people who are often working in a language that is not their first language. Was there sort of a parallel for you? And sometimes you were working in a language that's not one that you speak. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was. Uh, I think it it 
it, it's it creates frustrations and it creates opportunities mm -hmm. Uh, people in this neighborhood, a lot of them are learning English and you could sense the, the frustration sometimes when they try to communicate with each other because they move to this new country and uh, they're not, they're in, in a neighborhood where it's, it, it is Canada, but it is such like, it's an arrival city. So it's people from everywhere. So it's not like they're meeting Canadians really. And so mm -hmm. there's this frustration with people with difficulty speaking English, speaking with other people with other dif different sorts of difficulty speaking English. But then at the same time, it allows people to communicate more, actually, like there's something that's almost like a, so a lubricant for social situations where this is a very rich community when they talk a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, likewise, I felt that for me, I was struggling often on set working uh, with lots of long dialogue scenes in Arabic. Uh, and really relying on uh, my co-writer, Tiama Al-Kanwi, who was also the uh, interpreter on set. Uh, but then, like, the the sort of, like, blessing in the disguise was that, like, I actually was sensing the emotions and the performances in a way that in my pre previous films that I couldn't really be, uh, couldn't have that sort of presence uh, on set. Like, I couldn't really feel in the moment in the way that I was when I was watching them perform in a different language because I couldn't rely on what they were saying. So my attention was going somewhere else. And it was, uh, um, you always hope that you can make a film that has, that's not just conveying your dialogue and your, the story, but that has kind of a melody. And mm -hmm. that kind of allows you to just actually look at, like pay attention to that while, while a scene is being shot. Like, oh, how is this mm -hmm. sounding? How is this flowing? Yeah, that's really interesting. I do. I think that that comes across in the film. Um, I, thinking about uh, the festival and premiering at TIFF, uh, obviously this is a film that uh, was set in Toronto, and I know you've worked in Toronto uh, and spent time there. Uh, was it always sort of like you wanted this uh, movie to premiere at TIFF or play at TIFF? Uh, I, well, you always hope for like the biggest mm -hmm. premiere, obviously, uh, TIFF is one of the big ones. So we were definitely really so happy and fortunate to show at TIFF. I, I do, I feel like even if we had had another bigger premiere before, I really, mm -hmm. really wanted to show at TIFF just because the mm -hmm. film is set in this neighborhood in Toronto. Mm -hmm. We have so much crew in Toronto, but also the, people the residents the people that help that are from that community for them to be able to to come and see the film was really important so uh yeah i mean as you know it's like a, it's a big festival and there's lots mm -hmm. of there's you know films for every taste and parties for every taste and there's very fun interesting stuff there's very corporate weird stuff but i mean <laughs> yeah <all> yeah <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, it's, you know, it's kind of fun and we try to not take it too seriously and, and mm -hmm. just uh, watch the films we want to watch and, and hang out with the people we want to we want to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know the, the film played uh, on the digital platform as well. Do you have sort of uh, an ideal path in mind in terms of uh, like what what type of festival run you'd like to see for the movie or how you would like to see it get out to more people eventually because it is 
a film that I'd like to, you know, eventually be able to, I, as I was watching the film, I was thinking like, oh, this is a person who'd really like this. I'd like to recommend it too. And Oh, I mean, please, yeah, send it to any programmer, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, we, we hope for the film to play as many, as many places as possible. Mm -hmm. We're obviously hoping for like a nice European premiere because it, it just mm -hmm. had its, uh, its world premiere in North America. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, try to send it to as many places as possible. Um, I feel like the film it's it's hard to have perspective on your own film i i, mm -hmm. I feel like the film is quite approachable or more approachable than the the, the other films i've made uh, mm -hmm. but um you know it's programmers usually make decisions of like uh you know whether a film is appropriate for an audience or not so all we can do is just submit mm -hmm. and just hope for the best yeah yeah um in terms of casting i, I think there's a lot of really uh really strong performances in the movie and just looking at uh that the the actors on imdb i noticed that a lot of them have various experiences in film but in a lot of cases that experience is not primarily in acting it's in producing or writing and directing is that something that uh when you were putting the cast together uh you did intentionally or that just sort of happened yeah, I mean the the pool of actors you find in casting is actually quite limited. It's pretty, you know, uh, uh, yeah. It's hard to find people from you know different types of uh, of uh, uh, ethnicities, background, accents, gender identities. Mm -hmm. it, it's all just very much one thing. So uh, it it was really it was really a, a necessity actually to find people that were not actors to perform in this film. Um, and I was really interested in this neighborhood, Thorncliffe Park. So we started there and really tried to just cast the whole film there. I knew it wouldn't be possible really, but I wanted to start there. And uh, um, almost out of like a respect for this place because I knew we would be spending time there the, with, with people from the community. And we managed to cast a few people from that community. Most of the children in the movie are from Thorncliffe mm. Park. Um, but then like, yeah, most new immigrants, they're hustling. They work all the time, so they don't have time to be in like a micro-budget film, uh, mm -hmm. you know, spend the entire day. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so uh, we found actors uh, or like, you know, a community of like Syrian or, or, or like, you know, first-generation uh, performers or, or not even performers, just uh, people interested in the arts that were, you know, mm -hmm. willing to do something a bit different, but maybe that hadn't acted. So mm -hmm. aside from uh, Amani Ibrahim, who is our main actress, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the main actor, uh, Hussam, and, and most other people, they're not actors. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, yeah, it was their first time. Yeah. yeah and when you're casting uh, non-professional or less experienced actors, is there sort of... Uh, how, how do you sort of know that they're going to work as an actor in a film? Uh, we don't so we have like an insanely long casting process okay. actually. Uh -huh. yeah and i'm like sort of a very hesitant person by nature so people have to be quite patient with me with this one i think those two actors we we met over like a year or two just oh, wow. and i never told them whether they got the part until the very <laughs> end uh mm -hmm. but um yeah it's it's yeah it takes a while because it's also 
it's so acting is so difficult and when you're not an actor uh, and especially the kind of the way in which I like to work that actually requires acting skills to do properly so uh, <laughs> because the long takes and uh, there's mm -hmm. not a, a huge amount of blocking changes but just mm -hmm. enough that people have noticed can get a little bit um, confused it's a little bit difficult so Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a long time casting. We did it all outdoors because of COVID. So it's like casting uh -huh. in public parks and in, in Thorncliffe Park actually a lot. Mm. And then, um, yeah, like basically creating production, um, uh, creating a, a system of production where we could only shoot a scene a day, let's say, or like a scene and a half a day. So that people that are not actors that have other jobs can come for a chunk of the day and not do the whole day, or so that we can focus on one thing for the whole day. So that meant that we had to kind of uh, adapt our budget to this approach and find a way to budget a micro budget film uh, so that we could shoot for 30 to 40 days, which is usually, you know, usually you shoot half of that. But we knew that we needed all of that time spread over many months just to be able to get the performers we wanted and to um, even schedule them and and do enough takes so that we had what we wanted so mm -hmm. um, I had that experience in my previous film where I, I didn't budget time and money mm -hmm. in that way and I learned from the that mistake so we did it properly this time mm -hmm. uh, so because the film has two main characters uh, and and because some of it is about their relationship, but then a lot of it is also about their relationships with the larger community. There's a lot of cutting back and forth between them. And as uh, the film progresses, that starts to happen uh, within scenes some in a way that starts kind of calling the uh, linearity of time into question is that something that was in the script or that came about in the edit uh i think there was a, a little bit of both i think that the we were interested in having a little bit of shift of uh of how um uh a shift of how time passes within the film after like the the kind of midpoint of the film where we would be in a slightly more linear linear kind of storytelling than in the first half. Um, yeah, I feel like we wanted to establish this relationship, uh, but somehow to find a way to establish it with showing them as little, showing them together as little as possible. So creating these portraits of two different people and somehow hinting at what their relationship is like without showing them together too much. So that, mm -hmm. that was a bit of like a, a writing challenge that TMI and uh -huh. I had. And, um, um, and, and then, yeah, sort of bring them together at some point, but also pull them apart again. So it mm -hmm. was, yeah, I think it was just something that I was interested in doing. Uh, I love the idea of like couples as such a fertile, uh, you know, subject in, in movies or in art in general. And, and especially for new immigrants, like the way in which, you know, yeah, a couple, it's, it's like the uh -huh. ultimate relationship with the other, you know, like how someone looks at you when they really know you uh, and, and add to that the change of being in a new place and, and how that can mess up your own 
relationship with yourself and your own identity. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was trying to trying to explore that uh, in a way that was maybe a bit different than what I'd seen in other films, like, uh, yeah, trying to make a film about a couple, but without doing, you know, a ton of, of dialogue scenes, like not trying to do a Bergman thing, you know what I mean? Like just trying to do the opposite. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Antoine. Uh, the the film again is uh, Concrete Valley. Is there uh, social media or anywhere where people can find out when the film might come closer to well, them? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. So it's I'm gonna sound really old here, but I don't even know how to read what the <laughs> handle. I think the the handle, whatever it's called. So it's Concrete Valley Film. Okay. Great. One and word, yeah. Valley and Valley. and we'll put a uh, a link in the show notes as well. Great. Uh, but okay. yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, making the time to talk to me. Thanks so much. That was great. All right. Great. Take care. Yeah, Bye. you too. Bye. All right. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Can I Kick It. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd or Instagram, you can do it at C-I-K-I pod. If you'd like to donate any money to us, you can do so at coffee.com slash can I, ko-fi.com slash C-A-N-N-E-S-I. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to email us in, you can do that at canikickitpod at gmail.com. And if you want to follow any of us on Twitter, Andy is at Andy T. Germ. I'm at Cladgley. Emilio is I'm Laugh Alone. And Jesse is JCP Glake Weber with two Bs. And I will now release our audience. Bye-bye.